This week, we're talking about dynamic locations, what they are, and how to build them and use them in your games, as well as a little bit of admin and the announcement of a brand new giveaway. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the D&D podcast for everyone because here we speak common. None of that elvish stuff is allowed, I'm afraid. We speak only the king's common here. Uh, my name's Ben Norris, I am your gracious host and uh, apparently we're being formal today. How you doing? Uh, this is the show that's brought to you in partnership with two amazing sponsors who've been with us for a long time now. Uh, the Dice Dungeon, who are your one-stop shop for beautiful D&D dice, both resin and metal. They are premium, they always roll high, and they look so blooming good on your D&D table or in your dice tray if you use one. And if you don't, what are you? Chaotic Evil? If you want to go and have a look at their wares, there's a link in the description of this episode below. That will take you to the website. You can have a look around at the dice. You can have a look at the D&D books that they sell, the, the extra stuff like the Bag of Fates, which are the cheapest way to buy dice that are randomly selected for you, and some of them you cannot buy any other way. Uh, there's loads of stuff going on. The guys are amazing people, and they're only growing. So go and support them, have a look, and use the code we speak common on checkout to get 10% off your entire order. So go do it if you want some dice or some D&D some books, man. The other amazing sponsors of today's show are Describe. D-S-C-R-Y-B, Describe.com, are your place to go if you're not very good at creative writing. They are uh, a team of actually amazing creative writers who write you box flavor text for locations, monsters, and spells with the items coming soon that you can use in your home games. There's loads for free, but if you want to use a subscription service, and get access to all of the scenes. They've got over 1,500. They're growing every week. Then use the code COMMON on checkout to get 10% off your uh, subscription every single month for the first two years. So, I mean, you'll pretty much be covered, right? Go and have a look. Again, link in the description below. And of course, I have to mention the incredible patreons who support this show directly and help me to keep it going when things go wrong kit breaks sometimes or you know stuff just doesn't work and you need to get it fixed it's really great to have the support of patrons to make sure that this show can keep going and actually allow me to do new things with it put a pin in that we'll talk about it soon um so if you want to get involved in that if you want to support the show that way it's optional you don't have to but there is a link below it gives you access to a discord server that's a teeming with life it's a proper little community i'm so proud of it we sit and chat and have a great time and of course uh, the odd supplement that i release myself uh, so there's a load of those you can go and look at them on the patreon but you won't be able to download them unless you are a supporter otherwise just support the show by sharing it it's the best way to get us in front of new people so I need to apologise before we do anything else because it is boiling. Um, it's really hot today, really, really hot. So I've got the window open and I've got the door open. I don't know if you can hear the birds or the traffic outside um, or if it's a little bit more echoey because this isn't a proper studio. It's like a semi-studio, semi-office that I've got up here. So it's not completely soundproof anyway. And then with the window and door open, it kind of <laughs> just gets rid of any effort that I've made to make it soundproof. So... Bear with me this week, it's really hot. I have also got a drink, which has a 
amount of straw in it, which is an annoying noise, but I figured it, it lets you know when I'm taking a, a, a drink. Adds to that ASMR kind of vibe that we got going on. So, you know, there's that. So bear with me on that. So this week uh, is oh, teaming with stuff. I'm alone this week. We had um, an incredible guest last week on the podcast, RJD20. If you haven't heard the episode, go and have a listen. It was uh, just so much fun chatting to him and talking about D&D and has, I mean, I wanted to get people on the show. Um, and I've wanted to get more people on the show more recently, but it's just been tricky. I've had a lot going on just in life in general. So it's been hard to, you know, reach out and talk to the people that have been on before, but also make new connections. So it was really great to get him on. I think it's an, an incredible episode. I'm really happy with it. So if you haven't checked it out, go and have a listen. This week, I wanted to come here alone because I wanted to talk to you about some stuff before we get into the episode. Just some some little bits and bobs, really. The first one being that in two weeks' time, we will hit episode 150, which is a big number. Uh, if you listen on podcasting platforms that show you uh, quote-unquote series, so like Apple does, I know they do, um, you will notice that I have broken down the podcast into three series over the years, and that's the year total. So like series one is the first year, series two is the second year, series three is the third year. And that's probably going to change soon, I think. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. So just be aware of that it doesn't really change anything for you. It's just a fun little thing for me. But um, so we're not quite at the end of year three yet, but we're getting there. Because obviously there's 52 weeks in a year. We do an episode every week if we can. So I know that when we've hit uh, 156, we've released... Uh, three years worth of episodes so we're only going to be three uh, six episodes away from so just short of two months away from hitting our our third year anniversary here at we speak common which is crazy it's absolutely mental um i cannot believe how far we've come and how how different it is um you know it started off with just me and joe chatting because we wanted to have a bit more D D in our lives and Oh, I'm getting a little bit emotional. Here we are with three shows or three sub shows. There's an incredible, exciting project on the way that I cannot wait to share with you that I've been working on for the last sort of year and a half. And, you know, we've got the Discord server with amazing supporters who I consider really close friends who I talk to pretty much on a daily basis. We've got the Twitter where I, where I get to interact with amazing other creators, people like RJ coming on and Wildforged in, in the history of people coming on the show. You know, Treant Monk we made connections with. It's just been crazy. It's been insane. And I'm so proud of it. And I, I just want to keep doing it. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. There was a, there was a moment this year, particularly when you know things changed and Joe left and I was on my own and I thought, God, people don't like it or what if people stop listening? And then I realised, you know what? That's not the point. That's not the point. the The whole point was to just share this hobby and to build a community. And fuck, we've done it. I've done it. I mean, the Discord is a community, and I've had I've had little chats with Sam and and Wesley who who mod on the server, and they've said, you know what, you you you've achieved the goal you set out to to, 
to do. So as we get close to that third year mark, I'm starting to think forward, like, what do we do next? And I really want to grow that community. So, um, I, but I want to grow it beyond Discord. So this takes me to one of the things and my next point that I wanted to talk about. Obviously, I say the Patreon is uh, optional, and it absolutely is. I don't expect. I, I can't believe as many people want to support us in a monetary way that they do. So I say us because I imagine this show is not just me. It's, it's all of us, you know, even you listening. So thank you to you guys and girls who do that. That's incredible. But if... Uh, um, I'm jumping ahead of myself. That that is a community, 100, and I can see that community. But I want to extend that out to people who can't or aren't able to, um, or don't want to support monetarily wise. Because you know this is free content on the internet. That's <laughs> I totally get it, 100. I understand. Don't worry. So I want to try and expand that community on um, Twitter and and Instagram potentially as well. I mean we've got accounts there, but they're they're hard to run alongside everything else. So they're kind of active kind of not and i get we get small amounts of engagements on there it tends to be the same people which is fine that's how community starts so i want to try and spread that out and grow that out and just start grabbing more people in and saying hey we're all hanging out and we're all talking about D. come and join us so that's i think the next step for us is to is to get a bit bit of a bigger reach and just get more people sharing ideas because that's the benefit. The amount of cool ideas we come up with on the server. I want to start doing that on Twitter, maybe TikTok. I don't know. Anywhere. Just, I just want to, I just want to make more friends, you know, that's what I want. And I think we can do that. I think we really can. And part of that is something that actually I haven't got to do in a while. And there was a joke on, on the server the other day about being D and D agony on and, you know, in that first year and a little bit in the second, Joe and I would get lots of emails from people saying, hey, I've got this particular situation in my game and I don't know how to deal with it. So I want to reopen up those emails. They've been pretty quiet recently, which is fine. We've had a lot more interaction through social media and, and Discord. So I want to open that email address up again and say, hey, I will be your D&D agony aunt. And if I can answer your question, query, worry or concern on my own, I will. And if I can't, I will pull someone in who can help me because I've started to grow uh, a little network of people on the server who I can ask or friends or, or even other creators who I can pull in to join me on an episode to talk about it. So if you've got a situation in your game and you're not quite sure how to deal with it, we speak common at hotmail.com. You know, set the um, subject as dear D&D agony aunt and boom. That's it. We're doing it. And we'll start doing some D&D Agony Aunt episodes. Hey, maybe it'll become its own show down the line if it gets enough traction. So if you've got anything like that, by all means, please send them in. I want to hear what's going on in your games and I want to try and help you fix them. Cool. That was quicker than I thought it would be. Uh, what was the other thing? I think there's something else I was going to tell you. Hmm. Uh, that's it. I've remembered apple juice. It makes the brain work. I tell you, um, I really, really enjoyed getting RJ on last week and I want to do more of that. And I've wanted to do more of that for a while, but like I say, it's just been a bit, a bit of a weird time, um, life wise. So here's the thing. I would like to know who you would like to hear 
on the show. Basically, what I'm saying is do, do the work for me. <laughs> Not at all. Um, I will I will put in the effort, but I'm going to I'm saying this. And, and by saying this, that means I kind of have to do it because you're hearing me say this on the episode. Um, so it's out there now. I'm going to try and start reaching out to more people, people that have been on before, people that might want to come back or people who haven't been on before. But if you've got someone out there in the wide world, someone who talks D&D and you think, hey, I want to hear them on We Speak Common chatting about the stuff that Ben talks about with guests, then tweet them. Tag me in the tweet at We Speak Common, at Ben Jeff Norris. Tag both my accounts if you want. I'll definitely see it then. And tell them and tell me and I will reach out to them. Now, look, we ain't going to get Matt Mercer on this show. Trust me, I've tried. It's not going to happen. But there are so many incredible people out there who are creators, like creative people like me who do podcasts or YouTube shows or whatever, who I'd love to talk to. There are people who are just D&D people who I'd love to talk to, you know? So if you think of anyone or you are engaging with that kind of content online, you think, yeah, I want to hear that and we speak common, tweet, tweet them to me and tweet them and we will, we will see if we can set it up. I will see if I can set it up with their help. Oh, metal straws. I should have got a plastic one, shouldn't I, really? Anyway, so that's the thing as well. I'm going to start trying to reach out to more people. And if you're a creator and you're listening to this and you think, hey, I want to be on this show, or you're just a D&D person, you think, hey, I want to be on this show. Like, I tweet about D&D and I got people who talk to me about D&D all the time and listen to my views and they think I've got some good advice to share. Get in touch with me. Let's do something. Let's... um. Let's sort that out. It's more work, undeniably so. So it won't be every episode, especially with time zones. But hey, um, I want to put in the work and I want to do it. So I want to hear from those people. I want to hear from you. Get in touch. Okay, that's the admin out of the way. Um, that's the stuff I wanted to talk about. I've kind of, I feel like I've really quickly rallied that out, like just word vomited it all because I'm excited by it all. Um, but the clock says 15 minutes. It's probably not because I hit record before I actually set up. So it's probably about 10 minutes of me talking about it. So there's probably enough there. Um, yeah. I'm just feeling good, man. You know, I'm feeling good today. And partly because yesterday we wrapped on uh, a story that we've been telling. I've been telling with uh, four really close friends and it was a beautiful little ending moment. I mean, it's not the end. There will be more from them down the line, I'm sure, in one way or another. But it was an incredible incredible experience a story i've wanted to tell for a long time and uh, i will tell you more about it in the future for sure um because it's something that's good to talk about it will make some interesting content but and some interesting stories but for now we're going to talk about something different today so I'm, I'm just buzzing i'm just in a great mood today um and i yeah i'm working on some stuff that's particularly for this podcast that's i think probably only a couple more months away fingers crossed depending on how the next few months go. But yeah, feeling good, feeling good about it all. I hope you are equally feeling good. We were having a chat on the server about, you know, who had games coming up. A few people start having real life in-person games again. That's exciting. I haven't had an in-person game for a few months now. So I'm feeling that vibe. I feel like there's good energy out there right now. Good D&D energy too. Like the creative juices have been flowing recently for me and they've manifested in 
some strange ways i'm crafting again i haven't crafted for D in years and like i'm thinking about painting minis and all that kind of stuff i'm going to london on wednesday so i'm i'm gonna go and visit a few really cool shops in london um i'm gonna go to the really big forbidden planet because there's there isn't a forbidden planet near me so i might as well go and uh, like, i'm gonna go hit up orcs nest and see what they've got in there so great shops if you are uh, in the London area or just visiting for a day and you're a D&D person. So that's going to be going to be good. Right, let's should we just talk about D&D now? Let's talk about actual D&D and actual topics. So it's just me this week. I want to get someone on next week um whether that's someone new or someone you've heard from before to talk about some things and there is another topic that I really want to talk about that will probably be just me. So I thought I'll do this one today because Sam and I were chatting about his campaign coming to a close and he has this big dungeon and he wasn't quite sure how to like fill it out like he's done a map he's he's he knows where the, the end room is he know he's got like a trap that i built for him that goes into there but he i didn't build it for him i built it and he said can i use it and i said absolutely yes go for it um but he was saying i'm not really sure how to like fill it out and like i don't know like the bad guy might go in first, he might not. So I started talking to him about dynamic locations and we had a really cool chat about it over voice notes because we're both dyslexic and it just makes it easier. And he said to me, you should talk about this on the podcast because this has been really, really helpful and really interesting. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about dynamic locations. The other solo episode that I want to do that I reckon will be coming in the next few weeks will be uh, a Legends and Lore episode, which is another reason I didn't want to do this week because we've done two in a row, but a Legends and Lore episode about um, Dungeon of the Mad Mage and the story that I have written for it that my players didn't uh, go down. And I might run for them again, you know, later down the line. So, you know, whatever, but I want to talk about it anyway because I didn't get to run it. So we're, we're going to go through that um, in a few weeks too, I think. So dynamic locations. Let's... I've just realized I started saying something and went down a massive tangent, but we'll 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 come back to it. Someone just shut their door outside. Did you hear that? We'll um we'll come back to it about Dungeon Dice Dungeon. Um and the fact that we're coming up to 150 episodes. I realized I got overexcited and went the wrong way with it. We'll um we'll get back to that in the in the mid mid episode. Uh ad read. I hate calling them that because they're not really that, but they are. Anyway, dynamic locations. So this is something I've been doing for probably the better part of like two or three years. And it it really helps me in designing interesting places that my players are going to go to, but also places that feel alive. And, and we, we talk about living and breathing worlds. I think this is a technique that really lends to that. So I'm going to talk to you through um, what Sam had done and how I pitched it to him and then give you some examples and talk about how I would do it. So Sam had a dungeon. And if you're in Sam's campaign, you know who you are. I don't think any of his players listen to this. They might just don't. Don't. I don't think there'll be any spoilers, but you might want to hop out. I don't know. It's probably safer. Sam has a dungeon that he has set up with like the MacGuffin in. And his players may go there before the bad guy. 
but the bad guy might also go there before the players. And he said to me, I don't really know what to do because like, I need to fill it out, but I could set it up for it to be that the, the big, big bad evil guy's gone in first and the players might get there first. And then I'm going to have to like change everything on the fly or, or vice versa. And like, if, if I do, if I set it up one way and then the players go a different way through the dungeon or like the, you know, they change something so the bad guy has to go a different way. Like, how do I fix that? So I said, okay, here's what you do. You make it a dynamic location. The way I would describe this is a place, whether it's a building, a dungeon, a town, whatever, you can do it on any scale. You could do it as a city. That's pretty grand. But it's a place, it's a, a location that the players will go to that has lots of moving pieces. That can be NPCs that actually move around. It could be, for example, in a dungeon like traps that reset. It could be a timer for a thing that might happen at some point. Anything. Something that that isn't always going to be static. So I said to Sam, the way I would do it is I would flesh out the dungeon with all of the traps and rooms and treasure and all of that kind of stuff as it was. This dungeon in his story was built to be a place that was set up to keep something safe. So the, the builders, whoever they were, built it you know, set all the traps as they were making their way out, shut the doors and then left and never came back. So build the dungeon to the point where they close the doors and everything is set and ready to go. That's just basic dungeon design at that point, right? You're just building traps and putting treasure in and all that kind of thing. So you do that. Then when you've written all of that out and you've got it to the side somewhere, you get out another big piece of paper or another Word document or another Notion page, whatever it is that you're using, and you start writing out the path that the bad guy takes through the dungeon. So, okay, we think the bad guy's going to go and he might get there first. Well, if he gets there first, what route does he take? So at this point, you're playing a little bit of a, a D&D game with yourself because you're playing as the evil guy. Let's call the evil guy Bob, right? Bob gets the doors, he goes in, and you go, okay, goes in, and he sets off this trap. You you know, roll the dice and see what happens and you, you set it out. If you want it to be complete, if you want it to be completely, uh, not random, but you know, D and D inspired, you can actually roll the dice and see how much damage you take. He takes and see how far he gets. If you want it, if you're, you know, focusing on the story element, you can say, well, no matter what he's going to get through. So I'm just going to see which route he takes, plan the route that he goes through, role playing him on your own, make a note of that, and then create another a list of the rooms like you did when you first set up the dungeon so you know you've got room one entrance notes room two hallway notes room three altar room notes do that but for the path that the bad guy takes through the dungeon and so he goes through room one two four six five twenty one i don't know that's like a weird path i don't know what secret doors your dungeon has let's say he does that right you write down those rooms and you chain, you write down their keys, their little paragraphs, their flavor texts, all of that again, but this time from the perspective that they have already been triggered when you find them. So at that point, once you've done that work, you've got two lists. You've got the, the dungeon as if no one has been there. You've got the dungeon as if the bad guy has been there and made his way through. Now, when you're playing the game, your players, if they decide to go there early, you can use, you know, dungeon one preset. Great. If the players decide to go there a little bit later when the bad guys already got there, you use list two. And what's fun about that 
is that they might move into a room that he's triggered and then go a different route to him and go to one that's not been triggered because it's a, it's a big dungeon, right? And you've, you've got these, these two kind of plans, these two flow charts, as it were, of these dungeons in, in stasis and you can flip between the two of them. It's like Schrodinger's cat. You know, we don't know if the dungeon's been triggered or not until you open the door. That is, in the most basic sense, a dynamic location. How do you then put it into practice? So, let's say that the unthinkable happens. We're playing D&D. Your players always change things. And your players decide to go on exactly the same day or at the same time as your bad guy. So they get there, and you roll a die, and it turns out that, oh, the bad guy Bob has got there before them, right? So you use the entrance hall key that you have from the second version of the dungeon where the bad guy's already been in there. But you know he's only just got there. So you roll a die, or you decide, whatever, however you want to do it, how far he's got when the players arrive. He might have only got two rooms in. Okay, fine. He might have got three. He might have got six. It doesn't matter. He's, he's a certain distance in there. At that point, you're then playing a game of D&D with your players and with yourself. Because you're sitting there, you're walking them through the dungeon, they're picking where they're going, and they might, you know, like I say, they might go into a room that's not been triggered and then go into one that has. At the same time, you're tracking where the bad guy is. He is moving through the dungeon at the same rate as them, but he's taking the path that you pre-decide uh, predecided for him so what kind of cool situations you can get in are let's say for example the players go into room five right which has a secret door into room six that you know bob is currently in and through a a, a, a small crack in the wall they suddenly hear as all these arrows start shooting and a trap goes off well, what's that they're going to go investigate it, aren't they? They push through the secret door and they see the bad guy there in the room making his way through the dungeon. And instantly you've got an encounter that couldn't happen without thinking about this dungeon as a dynamic location because now they could encounter him at any point through that journey. And it gives that sense of, and again, this is a very basic version of this, but it gives that sense of a dynamic moving kind of world where this npc is doing things while the players are playing the game a lot of the time we think of DD, and i think the perception is that you sit down as a player and you're like okay the world has um uh doesn't happen while we're playing i think joe and i have talked about this before in in previous episodes where we say oh it's not like a video game like people sit down and think oh DD is like a video game the world only renders where i'm looking that's not the case in DD, the world is moving while the players are playing, and while they're not playing too. If it's like a hiatus, or if it's like we're doing a time jump, sometimes the world does pause when you're not playing. For example, in my campaign of TOA, we join the players back exactly where we left them. So, you know, but when they're not, if they're not in a city, that city doesn't just stop existing. It still moves, it still breathes, it still talks, and, you know, people still get on the city doesn't talk. That's a bit weird, unless it's a magical one. The, the people still move around and do things. You know, stuff changes. It can still get attacked by the enemy. It can still burn down while they're away. Like, stuff happens. And if you can show that, if you can give that moment of the players realising, oh, wow, stuff's going on all the time, even when we're not there, then you're succeeding in that living, breathing feel. 
There's something going on outside right now. Can you hear those sirens? You you can probably hear them in the raw audio. I wonder if they'll get cut out by my processing. It's a good example, though. Out in the world right now, someone's getting arrested by police. Or he's going to be. It's the same in the D&D world. Have the police doing stuff while the players aren't there. That's a very um, basic kind of premise for what these dynamic locations are. And I will uh, give some examples in a minute. And then another reason why I wanted to do this to get today is because it's a very quick subject for me to talk about, I think. Before we get into some examples and uh, of where I've used it and how I've used it and some more complex ones, I want to tell you about our amazing sponsors, our amazing um, partners, Dice Dungeon and Describe. We'll start with Describe this week. I always do Dice Dungeon first, um, but there's a reason I want to do them second. So Describe, D-S-C-R-Y-B.com are a great resource to grab some expertly crafted, written flavor boxes, flavor text, descriptive boxes. If you've got a dungeon, like Sam does in his game, and you need to describe the dark shadows moving around the stone mosaic walls and the flicker of the torchlight, but you're not very good at that. That's fine. Not everyone's good at writing. I'm not great at writing. Then go to describe, dsrcyb.com. It's uh, down in the description below. And you can click that link and have a look at uh, a, a good amount, like I think over 100 scenes that you can use and take into your games right now. If you want to get access to over 1,500 different scenes, locations, spells, monsters, and items coming soon, then there is a subscription service. You can get 10% off every month using the code COMMON on checkout. The other partner, of course, is Dice Dungeon. Dice Dungeon have been with us now for over a year. Uh, it was a year this month, I believe. Uh, wait, hang on. When this comes out, it will be July. Last month. It was a year in June. So... They are sticking with us. We're sticking with them. I'm. I feel like we've we're we're good friends. I really enjoy chatting to Ben and Dave. So they're good lads, and they have some amazing dice. And uh, I have so many of their sets now from working with them and from purchasing my own. And I I've got to tell you, they are some of the best dice I own. I mean, I've got a set that I haven't even bought myself to roll yet because they look so nice. Uh, so go and have a look at what they've got on there. Of course, they don't just do dice now. They do more than that. They do D&D books and Bag of Fates, which is a way to get random dice from special sets and uh, and loads of other paraphernalia like, um, uh, you know, the stuff they use in D&D, rolling trays and, and bits and bobs. Go and have a look at their wares. Again, link in the description. You can use the code we speak common on checkout. While you're there, what I would like you to do is have a look at three particular sets for me. Those sets are the Rainbow White set, the Tropical Breeze set, and the Shooting Stars set. Why those three? Well, where I was trying to go earlier, and I forgot because I got overexcited, is that for our 150th episode, which will be in a couple of weeks, Dice Dungeon have graciously given me those three sets to give away to three lucky people. If you want to get involved with that giveaway, if you want to try and win yourself some amazing dice to use in your D&D games, then head over to the We Speak Common Twitter, at We Speak Common. On the day this episode goes out, so on the Thursday, uh, if you're listening to it today, the tweet will be there. Um, you can go and like it, retweet it, follow myself, and I will tag Dice Dungeon in the tweet. Go and follow them. 
they will also have a tweet up that you can like, follow, uh, retweet from. And if you do both of those tweets, you'll get two entries into this giveaway. Go and do it. You got a week. You got until next episode until we we stop taking in any entries. And then I will announce the three winners at the start or around the middle of episode 150 of the podcast. And then obviously I'll tweet it out as well. So you can get a little notification if you can't hear it on the day it releases. Ben, Dave, I, I know you guys listen. So thank you for your continued support and thank you for um for giving me three sets of dice to give away and i will make sure i tag you in the tweet this time i promise if i don't then um well you're not allowed to cancel the partnership but you can hit me if you ever see me in person which you will at some point that's um (laughs) that's out there now that's a promise you can hit me there you go they are some really gorgeous sets and uh, I will make sure that the tweet has some pictures on it too so you can see them. They are gorgeous. I really like the rainbow whites. They are gorgeous. I mean, to be honest, the, they're all good. They're all gorgeous. They're so nice. God, guys. These are coming out with nice dice. I've got too many as it is. Go and have a look out for that. If the tweet's not there first thing in the morning, it will be eventually. Uh, I've got a mix of UK and American audiences so I always try and put the tweets up at a time when everybody's awake and alive and doing things cool okay i'm gonna have a quick sip of this drink oh god talking gets you thirsty right dynamic locations let me give you some examples of where i have used these in my game and how effective they can be the best one and the most useful one i've done was actually in Dragon Heist. Um, I know I talk about that came up campaign a lot, but it was a really good one. And I did a lot of different things in that campaign. So there's a lot of different examples of techniques that I developed there that I want to talk about in the shows. So if you're sick of hearing about it, I'm really sorry. <laughs> it was just a good playground for, for new techniques and things. But the there is a section in the story where the players go to a, a, a manor uh, technically it's a villa but it's like a manor um Graland villa and there is in the book a situation there where you have a faction that have the family who are they're not how do i i don't want to spoil too much in case you still haven't run dragon heist so in dragon heist there's four villains you get to pick one to use or if you're me you use all four of the all four of them and then there's a family that are kind of like not a villain but they're kind of trying to get the same thing as you and the fam and the other villains but they're not really like a full villain they're kind of just like a middleman but they're they're they're, if that makes them sound really crap they're not they're a really good addition to the story in my opinion i think they're a great great fun thing to use but they're more on the players level of trying to get the MacGuffin than the actual villains who have you know organizations at their disposal So this family and this other faction are sort of at a stalemate where the faction is going to attack the family and, and, you know, steal from them and take what they've already got and and all this kind of stuff. And the book kind of assumes that the players are going to walk in during the stalemate, right, before any violence kicks off. But, you know, people are all standing around with their daggers and swords drawn. And I sort of went, well... 
that's a bit naff, because now I have to make sure they go at the right time. And in my version of Dragon Heist, I had all of these different things going on. I had all of the villains who were all doing their own things. They were all, you know, doing, having different plans in place. And as an example of a living, breathing world, for example, for example, I've already said that, Jalaxel, he found out about this family. And so he put a group of Bregan Darth in a abandoned house across the road from the villa to keep an eye on it. His plan was to invite the players around for dinner on his boat and say, hey, join me, work with me. If you do, we'll, we'll go in and get stuff together. If you don't, I'm going to send my SEAL team in right now while you're here on the boat and you can't do anything about it. Didn't work out that way because the players found the outpost and killed them before they went to dinner. But, you know, players always mess with your plans as a DM, so that's fine. But that's an example of how I sort of changed it up because... I wanted this this house, this location, to be in any number of states when the players decided to get there. So they found out about it. They kind of scoped it out. This is when they found Jalaxel's party. And then they thought, okay, yeah, we're going to go in. Let's go have dinner with Jalaxel because that's tonight anyway. And then we'll come back. I knew in my mind what day this thing was going to go down, right? And that was always going to be the same. From the very beginning of the campaign, I knew how long it would be until that happened. And luckily, through a bit of, you know, my direction as a DM and the players making the right choices to line it up without knowing, they kind of got it right and they were in the the time period for when it would happen. So when they go to the house in this this session that we have ready, they could go in uh, as the fighting is about to happen, like the book might suggest, during the fighting after the fighting, and there was a good chance they would go in before, when the house was just in its normal state, um, the day before when they scouted it out. So I had to prepare this house in like four different ways, four different states. So I did that technique that I described the dungeon. I, I took what was in the book, and I worked out what it would look like just on a normal day. Then I worked out what it would look like after the combat, right, where I wrote where the dead bodies would be and where the, the violence happened and what rooms were clean and what rooms were, you know, for lack of a better word, dirty. Then I set it up in my own version of that stalemate so that I had it in that way for when, if the players went in at that point. And then to top it all off, because I had all four villains, I had sections of all four villains that might pop up. So like... Jalaxel had his team that the players dealt with beforehand. There was the faction that was already attacking. The Xanifer had gazers watching the building that if the it, the MacGuffin was in the building at the time. And so if the players got it and or started chasing along the rooftops, the gazers were going to come up and follow them. So I had this whole like big set piece that could happen if things went the right way. Now, of course, they didn't <laughs> because D&D players, no, um, they decided to... Sneak in, sneak up on the roof, go down the chimney. I think they sent their druid down the chimney as a spider, like classic. Of course they did. Uh, so they, they didn't see a lot of the rooms. The fighting sort of broke out on its own. But this is the thing. Because I had these four different versions, which ended up being three because they didn't see the house, you know, when it was just normally a house. They had these three different versions. I could, on the fly work out at what point things would happen based on what the players were doing so you know as they're on the roof 
they're looking, you know, they're looking on the ground, seeing what's going on. One of them sees the balcony, looks at the balcony, and as he's looking through the the glass doors, he sees two people like start fighting. Like, oh, the fight's broken out. So there's all these dynamic things that are happening and changing, and it gave this kind of impression of, oh, all of these people, the people who live here, the people attacking each different villain. They're all continuously working towards their goal. And it doesn't matter what we as players do. They are going to keep progressing slowly but surely. Some of them quicker than others. Some of them might leap ahead because they do something specific. But they are all doing it. And it gives that kind of, oh, we're on a ticking time clock kind of vibe because they want to get the MacGuffin before the, the villains. But also that living, breathing, oh my God, the world doesn't revolve around us. We're just other players in the game. And that was the vibe I was going for. Setting this building, this villa up as a dynamic location, let me do that. Because on the fly, in the game, I could decide, well, the, the party's been sneaking around for 10 minutes. The combat's going to break out. Oh, the party have decided they're going to go down the chimney. Okay, that's room, I don't know, seven. Well, I've got two entries for room seven. If the fighting broke out 10 minutes ago, then uh, the people in room six, the dining room, have, you know, three of them are dead. One of them's going to run in. So as the player crawls down the chimney, he sees the room quiet and empty. He looks around and then the door bursts open and someone comes running in, shuts it and starts putting, you know, chairs against it. Like I've got all of these little moments that can happen throughout this for lack of a better word, encounter. It's more than an encounter. But they can happen throughout this encounter that can show that things are changing and that the situation is developing and moving on to some form of conclusion, no matter what the players do. And that's powerful. And if you if you can get that feel, you're doing something right in D&D. The other part as well is that this house, uh, well, this location... And how it was going down, I also had the thing of, uh, what what does it look like at day versus at night? So I did that too. So you can go really deep on this kind of planning and and build out a location in, in like, <laughs> Jesus, like seven different states. And I know we say don't overplan, and that kind of feels like overplanning, but in some ways it is, in some ways it isn't, because if you are working on a very big location or very important set piece, then having all of that is going to make it easier to run. Just going to take a quick sip of this drink. Mm. God, I get so thirsty doing this on my own. So, and and the other thing is that when I say, oh, I, I look at this room and I look at that room and I see that, oh, this person will probably run through here at this point or something. That sounds like a lot to do on the fly. But if you've done all this prep and you've got into it and you've got into the minds of the people that are moving around these locations, then that's easy to do on the fly because you just know, oh, it makes sense for them to run to there. Boom, done. I mean, that's playing D&D anyway, isn't it? It's improv. So the more you plan in that sense, the more you know how different rooms will develop as the quote-unquote encounter goes on. Let me give you one more example. I am running for Sam and Wesley at the moment, a Daggerfoot adventure that has... Uh, a kind of sandbox it's 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 a story arc in a in a bigger campaign and it's daggerford as itself as this as the town i don't know if daggerford is technically a city or a town because it, it doesn't feel big enough to be a city do you know what i'm gonna giggle it 
I really hope that you're enjoying the sounds of the birds and the wildlife coming from uh, my open window. If you can't hear them at this point, it's just me talking about something and you're like, it doesn't exist if you've gone, if you've gone mad. Uh, Daggerford is a small town. There you go. So in the Delabrimery or the Delabria Valley, I think it's called, or Vale, Delabria Vale, um, that kind of area in Faerun with Daggerford as the focal point is where they're at at the moment for this story arc and it's a sandbox and so they could go to Jolkum, they could go to Firehammer Hold, they could go to Harpshield Castle, you know, Sakombi, they could go anywhere in that va- uh, in that vale. And each of those locations is a dynamic location. So if they decide to go to Jolkum, well, the hook is that no one's heard from anything from Jolkum for a while. No one's heard of heard from anybody the pigeons all came on their own the other day for some reason without any notes attached to them no shipments come so they're going to go and investigate when they get there they're going to find out why and what's going on there and who's there and i'm not going to put any spoilers in so don't worry sam if you're listening but those people who are there all have different roles and different things that they're doing and so they all move around the locations within this small town jolkin's a small little town right smaller than daggerford but it's still a town, or like a village, I suppose, maybe, is, is the next one down you would call it. And so there's lots of different buildings. And so NPCs move from one building to another, and they have little things they do each day. And, and so if the players decide to come down the river to investigate, they're going to see one thing. And if they come down the road, they're going to see something else. If they come at night, they're going to experience something else completely. So I have to build these locations as little dynamic locations so that I can be ready for anything and any time the players decide to go and do. The bonus with this being a small sandbox area, the whole veil being open to the the players at any time, is that having them as dynamic locations helps to feed into that sandbox kind of style. And I've said before, sandboxes are incredibly difficult to plan and pull off. And you have to really like they're, they're incredibly difficult. Makes me sound egocentric. That's not what I meant. They're, they are tricky, right? They're much harder to run than just a standard, more linear story. Every D&D has choice. And if it doesn't, then it's not really D&D. And it adapts to what the players do. But a sandbox is so open that the players can do literally anything. In a normal D&D game, you give players choices and they either go A, B, or C, or A, B, or A, B, C, D. And you kind of know what one of those up to four or five choices would mean for the story. In a sandbox, there is no, you know, it's not a multiple choice question anymore. It's just write me an essay about where you go and what you do. And you have to adapt to that. And so if you take locations that they can go to and you make them dynamic locations and you prepare them so that you can have the players arrive at any time, um, do anything and see a number of different things based on when they get there you add to that sandbox feel and you add to that living breathing feel because they get there and they go oh of course everybody's asleep it's night time oh oh, of course i can't go and do this because xyz or oh where's where's the where's the butcher oh he's gone for a walk because it's 2 p.m on a sunday and he always goes for a walk at 2 p.m on sunday oh you know like Sure, that's a really shit example and it sounds really small, but it's little things like that and and more complex things. It's hard to give you random examples without actually giving you actual examples. I don't want to do that because I know Sam listens to the podcast, but I know Wesley does at times too. So 
you set up these dynamic locations you have them play their own little stories they become their own little worlds of, of environment of movement and stuff and that helps with the living breathing feel it helps with the sandbox feel because then you're ready for the players to go there whenever they decide to go there and you can alter it based on events that happen around the rest of the world or, or location or, or veil or region and you can um you can really just deliver that sense of also being prepared for absolutely anything which let's face it when you play in a game and you feel like your dm is really prepared and really knows what they're doing that's a great feeling this car's hitting their horns outside i should have just dealt with the heat and had the window shut <laughs> oh god anyway so i'm going to round this off with a few tips and tricks i use dynamic locations all the time and in fact, it's got to the point where I use them more often than not. That may sound like, oh, I'm prepping a lot all the time, but it's not the case because sometimes you just don't need one, you know? Sometimes you just don't need a dynamic, dynamic location. But sometimes it would fit, and that gives you more freedom and opportunity to add in flair and unique moments for the players. I would assess each location you're building. If you're building one from scratch, do it then if you're adjusting one or you're about to run one that's not yours adjust uh, you know assess it then when you're reading and planning for it and kind of fitting it into the story for your players look at different locations sub locations within that one place so if it's a if it's a building look at the different rooms if it's a dungeon you know similarly look at the rooms if it's like a city look at different wards or different um key shops or something places you know that the players might go and think about who's there what they do there and why they do it where else they might go you know if it's a city the baker might have to go to the dock ward to pick up a shipment he might have to go to the rivalry shop three shops down and have an argument he might have to go to the thieves den and pay for his protection like you can do whatever you want with it but make sure you know what these people do and where they go they don't just stop existing and they don't just stand behind the counter forever this isn't you know uh, this isn't a, an old rpg on the computer where you the shop assistant's always there and he always looks the same and he never moves these guys and girls they go places they do stuff so work out what those things are and plan for them you know if the players don't decide to go to the bakery and deliver their quest they decide to walk around town for a day or two and like do a bit of shopping first maybe they spot the baker on his way to the dock board and they give him his delivery then adapt with that stuff and use it in the game and make it feel lived and do it for any location you know it doesn't have to be a dungeon it doesn't have to be one building or a city or a town those are good examples of using it but you can do it anywhere any location you build can be made to be dynamic a train no one's going to sit in their seat for the entire i don't know cross-country 24-hour train ride ugh, that would be awful of course you're going to move around of course you're going to sleep for a bit you know it could be a wizard's tower that has a door that opens to a demi plane and so then you've got two kind of dynamic locations that link into one it could be a school or a, a court or a jailhouse i've done it with a jailhouse i, I ran a, a jail session and i had character you know certain prisoners that would move around and do different things at different times on different days 
You can do it with any location. Play with it. Think about it the next time you're looking at a place that your players are going to visit and think about how it looks and how it's presented to you if you haven't written it or how it's presented to you if you have have wrote it, written it. English grammar. And then think about the different versions of it. Imagine it in at different times of the day in different parallel universes, however it works for you, and play with those ideas and just have them written down somewhere or in the back of your mind. That's the easiest way to start doing it. Is to just think about how they might look at different times of the day, write those ideas down and have them if you need them. Then develop that the next time you prepare a location to be not just different hours, but you know, not, uh, not just different like times of day, like day and night, but different hours of the day. So, you know, five o'clock, everybody shuts the shops. And so then you've got a little event for players walking through the town at five o'clock or the shop shut. The more you do it, the easier these things become to think of. And eventually you get to the point where you've done it so often that you don't really need to plan for them. They're just kind of in the back of your mind. Like, oh yeah, of course all the shops are going to shut at five o'clock. Play with it, use it, have some fun and develop it into your own idea. And if you don't want to use it, that's cool. If you've got your own way of doing it, I would love to hear about it. I really do want to hear hear from you and tell me what you think about these ideas, even if you think they're shit. Because <laughs> that's how we all improve, you know? By hearing each other's different ways of doing things and thinking about that and trying them and adapting them for ourselves. I never want you to take my advice and just do it as I've said it, unless you think that would work for you. I want you to take my advice and play with it and make it your own and develop. You can be the best DM you can be for your players by finding your own style. And that's what D&D is. Okay, my throat's starting to hurt from talking for an hour. So I think it's about an hour. I think the episode's a little bit of a shorter one, but they usually are when it's just me. So um, I hope you're having a great time just in life in general and with D&D. And I hope that this has been helpful. I definitely feel like I got really overexcited at the start and just rambled. So <laughs> I apologize if that's how it's come across. I'll find out when I listen back to it. Um, yeah. Please, please, please get in touch. Tweet me at We Speak Common at Ben JF Norris on Twitter. I use both of those accounts at We Speak Common on Instagram too. If you've got someone you want to hear come on the show, another creator or a D&D person, tweet them and tag me in it or message me about them and I'll try and reach out to them. Uh, if you want to send me your D&D agony aunt problems, stuff that's happened in your campaign that you're not sure how to resolve, email it to wespeakcommon.hotmail.com and use the subject Dear D&D Agony Aunt and I will start doing some episodes on them. If they're smaller um, problems, I'll do them as a section in episode. If they're longer and they um, are really interesting kind of topics that we can spin off with, with ways to fix, then we'll do full episodes like we used to. Um, and yeah, if you want to support the show, head over to Patreon, have a look at it, join us on the Discord. Otherwise, just tweeting about us and tweeting me with these people you want to hear on the show and stuff like that. That's a great way to support. It really helps just interacting in general so that I know you're out there and that you want to be friends. And of course, head over to the Twitter and to the Dice Dungeon Twitter to enter into the giveaway for the 150th episode. Three sets of really nice, and I guarantee high rolling, D&D dice. Don't know if I can actually guarantee that. Mine always seem to roll high when I need them to. So, you know, take with a pinch of salt. 
cool have a great rest of your day whatever you're doing wherever you are and i will speak to you again soon see you later thanks for listening today if you like the show do us a favor leave us a like and review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends send us to your fellow dms and players so that we can build our community even more it really helps to get us out in front of more eyes if you want to support the show you can by joining our patreon links can be found in the show description and the episode descriptions on all platforms the music in the podcast is street dancing by timecrawler82 it's licensed under a creative commons license by nc you can find it on the free music archive Thank you.